very warm welcome to this podcast edition of Sermons from St. Christopher's by the Sea. Yesterday, Hurricane Hannah made landfall rather close to where St. Christopher's is located in Portland. Because of that event, the vestry of the church has decided that in order to keep our parishioners as well as our visitors safe, that we would not hold services this morning. So, this morning I will read the gospel lesson from today's service and then provide the sermon that was to be preached at St. Christopher's. For those of you who are in the wake of the storm, we wish you all of God's blessings and peace. Stay safe. reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Another parable Jesus put before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make their nests in its branches. He told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sometimes when we hear a story for the first time, we think we might be able to know the outcome before we have heard the full account. This is especially true of some of our well-known fables and children's stories. Take, for example, Aesop's famous fable, The Tortoise and the Hare. In this fable, the hare challenges the tortoise to a foot race. Now, knowing what we know about tortoises and hares, Uh, we would expect that this would be a rather brief story. The hare should outrun the tortoise, win the race, 
And as most of the fables have a moral they try to instill, have something like the tortoise being magnanimous in defeat, or the hare being a noble victor who doesn't rub it into the tortoise's face. Instead, as probably most of us know, the tortoise wins because the hare took a nap and was distracted from his task, providing an outcome that is not what we might assume would happen. Much of the same is true in the parables that Jesus tells. Jesus sometimes starts his parables with something that seems quite normal, and all of a sudden the story turns and something unexpected occurs. Such is the case with the four rather small parables that we read this morning in Matthew's Gospel. Not only are they short, generally about the length of a sentence, but to the people he was speaking to, these would have seemed like contradictory statements or something akin to a paradox. For example, let us look at the parable of the mustard seed. To our 21st century ears, this sounds like a rather pleasant endeavor. Plant a mustard seed, perhaps even take some of the seeds to use as a spice to flavor our food, and enjoy the birds that would come live in it. But if Jesus was here in South Texas right now and was telling the same parable, he would probably address it in this way. The kingdom of heaven is like a wee-satch seed that someone took and sowed in his fields. Now, all of us know, because of where we live, that wee-satch is a nuisance plant. It is invasive. It is difficult to get rid of. And once they begin to grow in your fields, it takes a Herculean effort to eradicate them. The only value they bring is that bees can take the pollen from the blooms they produce and make rather fine honey. So it is with the mustard seed. It would be like planting a weedy shrub in your field, an undesirable plant. The same can be said of the yeast and leaven. This is not the leaven we purchase at the grocery store in order to bake bread. Rather, this particular yeast that Jesus is referring to is a rotting and spoiling agent and came from spoiled bread. When you were baking, you took some of it to add to your new bread, but it was also something considered unclean by the Jews. It would have been something to check for before the Passover meal would have been prepared or else it could have spoiled all the food. The leaven was also dangerous. If you let it spoil too long, the leaven could cause food poisoning and be fatal. If this is the case of the mustard seed and the leaven, as things that are in reality rather undesirable, then what is Jesus telling us? And why does he say that the kingdom of heaven is like these? These four parables all contain an element that would have been rather clear to his listeners in the first century. These parables are <clears throat> subversive. These parables are a little sketchy. These four instances, mustard seeds, leaven, a man who is a probable thief, and a merchant who was probably more like a used car salesman of his day, 
were all seen as crooked and unscrupulous. There are three agents at work in all of these parables. The first is desirable objects over and against undesirable objects. The second is patience and resilience. The third is the most important. It is the outcome of each parable that demonstrates the kingdom of God. Let's start with undesirable things. Is it ever possible that something we really don't want or think we need is actually the very thing we do? For example, I don't enjoy going to the dentist, but in order to keep my teeth healthy, I should go once or twice a year. Or what about someone you need to hire, like an electrician or a plumber, who is an absolute pain when he is there, and is rather foul and grumpy, but is the best one around. You don't necessarily want them, but you do need them. So, if that is true, then let's ask this question. Can something or someone who is opposed to, or perhaps even in active opposition to the gospel, actually aid in God's work? The answer is a resounding yes. Recalling from recent history, let us think about the work of Desmond Tutu in South Africa. Briefly put, the Bhutto government sponsored and enforced an apartheid system that disenfranchised many blacks. But Bishop Tutu once said in the middle of the struggle to end apartheid that when the white people arrived, we had the land and they had the Bible. They said, let us pray. When we opened our eyes, they had the land, and we had the Bible, and we got the better of the deal. And over time, Tutu and others, in a completely nonviolent way, overturned the government's positions and eventually ended an unjust system, leading to a commission on truth and reconciliation that worked at healing old, festering wounds. But they never would have had the strength to act without the opposition and God's redeeming word at work. The mustard seed, while producing an undesirable plant, makes a home for many birds. The leaven that could be fatal can be mixed to make about a hundred loaves of bread and provide a new abundance of food. Now what about the second agent? Patience and resilience. We must wait for seeds to grow. We must wait for bread to rise. We must be like the merchant and hunt for the best pearls and not take the first one available. We must be like the man who finds buried treasure, sells every asset he owns to buy something of greater worth. The kingdom of God is coming. We must be patient. In times like these with a pandemic, national unrest, people concerned about their jobs, and schools making hard decisions, 
we sometimes throw up our hands and say, God, come do something. And we fail to see that God is acting. God is acting all around us. And God is also acting through us. But we need patience to look, to see what is at hand, and to trust in God's unfailing care. How many times have we prayed for something and our thoughts, our prayers landed on deaf ears only to realize that the answer wasn't yes or no, but instead the answer was wait. And finally, how do we recognize the kingdom of heaven? How can an undesirable tree or leaven point us to the kingdom? The clue is in the expansive nature of the seed and of the leaven. From something tiny, a seed, can grow not just mustard trees, but look at our majestic oak trees, or even the redwood trees in California. All those trees started from one little seed. Another clue is the abandon with which the merchant sells everything he has as does the person who finds buried treasure just to possess the most precious pearl or a piece of property. That might make us ask, are we willing to sell everything, give everything up for the kingdom of God? The kingdom of heaven is different. It is not what we expect. The kingdom is different from Rome, who ruled Palestine during Jesus' lifetime. The kingdom is different than our government here in the United States. The kingdom is different than many of our philosophies and our assumptions about ethical issues. The kingdom of heaven breaks in, and it grows and expands, and is more precious than anything we could ever possess. And the work of God, particularly through us, humankind, is always surprising. It never looks the way we expect it to. It is almost like a story we think we know the ending to, but it comes out differently than we expect.